Section 40 of the Letters of Madame de Sévigné to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letter 9. Wednesday, December the 17th, 1664. You languish, my dear friend, after intelligence, and so do we. I'm sorry I sent you word that judgment would be pronounced on tuesday for not hearing from me you must have thought it was all over but our hopes are as strong as ever i informed you on saturday in what way monsieur domisson had reported the cause and how he had voted but i did not sufficiently express the extraordinary esteem he has acquired by his conduct in this business I've heard several of this profession say that his speech was a masterpiece, that he explained himself with great clearness and rested his opinion upon the most convincing arguments. It was eloquence and grace combined. In short, no man ever had a finer opportunity of making himself known, and no man ever made a better use of it. If he had wished to open his door to congratulations, the house would have been crowded, but he was too modest for this and kept out of the way. His colleague, Saint-Hélène, indignant at his success, spoke on Monday and Tuesday. He resumed the affair weakly and miserably, reading what he had to say without adding any new circumstance or giving a different turn to it. He voted, but did not assign his reasons that Monsieur Fouquet should lose his head for his crime against the state. To gain votes on his side, he played the Norman, and alleged that it was probable the king, who alone could do it, would remit the sentence and pardon him. It was yesterday he performed this brilliant action, which we were as much grieved as we had before been satisfied with the conduct of Monsieur Domisson. This morning Puissot spoke for four hours, but with so much vehemence, fury, rage and rancour that several of the judges were shocked, and it is thought his intemperance will do more good than harm to our poor friend. He even redoubled his violence towards the end and said upon the subject of the crime against the state, that the example of a certain Spaniard, who had so great a horror for a rebel, that he ordered his house to be burned because Charles de Bourbon had passed through it, ought to make us blush at our moderation, that we had much greater reason to hold in abhorrence the crime of Monsieur Fouquet, that the halter and the gibbet were the only proper punishments for him, but that in consideration of the high offices he had held and the noble families to which he was related, he would relax his opinion and vote with Monsieur de Saint-Hélène that he be beheaded. What say you to this moderation? Is it because he is the uncle of Monsieur de Nesmond and was accepted against that he conducts himself so generously? For my part, I can scarcely contain myself when I think of this scandalous proceeding. 
I do not know whether judgment will be pronounced tomorrow or the business be protracted to the end of the week. We have still many difficulties to encounter, but perhaps someone will side with Monsieur Dormisson. His opinion at present stands alone. But I have to beg your attention to two or three little incidents which are no less extraordinary than true. In the first place, then, a comet made its appearance about four days ago. It was announced at first by some women only, who were laughed at for their pains, but it has now been seen by everyone. Monsieur d'Artagnan sat up last night and saw it very distinctly. Monsieur de Neuret, a great astronomer, says it is of a considerable magnitude. Monsieur Dufresne has seen it with three or four other learned men. I have not seen it myself, but I intend setting up tonight for the purpose. It appears about three o'clock. I tell you of this, ignorant, whether you will be pleased or displeased with the intelligence. Berrier, in the literal sense of the word, is become mad. He has been bled profusely and is in a perfect frenzy. He raves of wheels and gibbets, and has even mentioned particular trees. He declares he's going to be hanged and makes so dreadful a noise that his keepers are obliged to chain him. This is evidently a judgment of providence and a very just one. A criminal of the name of Lamotte, who was in prison and about to be tried, has disposed that Mrs. de B. C. and B. They add also Puissot or Ponce, but of him I'm not so certain. Footnote, Monsieur Bouchra was one of the commissioners. The other B. Dot 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 is no doubt Berrier, back to main text, deposed, that they urged him several times to implicate Monsieur Pouquet and Lorme, promising, if he would do so, that they would obtain his pardon. But he refused and published the circumstance in court before his trial took place. He was condemned to the galleys. The wife and mother of Monsieur Fouquet have procured a copy of the deposition and will present it tomorrow at the chamber. Perhaps it will not be received because the judges are now giving their opinions. But it may be made known and must produce a strong impression on the court. It's not all this very extraordinary. I must tell you also of a heroic act of Musma. He had been dangerously ill for a whole week of a bladder complaint. He took a variety of medicines and was at last bled at midnight. The next morning at seven o'clock, he insisted on being carried to the Chamber of Justice where he suffered the most excruciating pain. The Chancellor saw him turn pale and said, this is not a fit place for you, sir. You had better retire. True, sir, he replied. But I may as well die here. The Chancellor, perceiving him ready to faint and finding him bent upon remaining, said, Well, sir, retire. We will wait for you. Upon this he went out for a quarter of an hour, during which time he passed 
two stones of so enormous a size that it might be considered as a miracle if men were deserving that God should work miracles in their favour. This worthy man then returned into court, gay and cheerful, everyone astonished at the adventure. This is all I know. Everybody is interested in this weighty affair. Nothing else is talked of. Men reason, infer, calculate, pity, fear, wish, hate, admire, are overwhelmed. In short, my dear sir, our present situation is a most singular one. But the resignation and firmness of our dear unfortunate friend is perfectly heavenly. He knows every day what passes, and every day volumes might be written in his praise. I beg you to thank your father, footnote, Anodondii, the translator of Josephus, back to main text, for the gratifying note he has written me, and the charming works he sent me. I have read them, though my head feels, alas, as if it was split into pieces. Tell him I am delighted he loves me a little, a great deal, I mean, and that I love him still more. I have received your last letter. Alas, you overpay so abundantly the trifling services I render you that I remain your debtor. Letter 10, Friday, December the 19th, 1664. This is a day which gives us great hopes. But I must go back in my story. I told you that Monsieur Puissot had, on Wednesday, voted for the death of our friend. On Thursday, Nog, Isocor, Ferriol and Perrault voted in the same way. Roxant concluded the day and, after speaking well for an hour, sided with Monsieur Dormisson. This morning our hopes have sailed before the wind, for several votes that were doubtful have been given, Poisson, Masnon, Verrier, Labome and Catenet, and all in favour of Monsieur Domisson's opinion. Footnote names of the committee who judged Fouquet. Favourable, Domisson, Le Ferron, Moussy, Briac, Renard, Bernard, Roxon, La Troison, La Bonne, Verrier, Masnot, Cardinet, Pontchartrain. Adverse. Sainte-Hélène, Prissot, Gisocor, Ferriol, Nogue, Hérault, Ponce, Proseguier, the Chancellor. Back to main text. It was then Ponce's turn to speak. But thinking that those who remained were almost all disposed to be lenient, he would not begin, though it was only eleven o'clock. It is thought he wishes to consult with someone what he shall say, and that he is not willing to bring disgrace upon himself and consign a man to death unnecessarily. Such is our present situation, and though so favourable a one, our joy is not complete. For we must know that M. H. is so enraged that we expect some unjust and atrocious proceeding in consequence that will plunge us again into despair. Reader's note, M.H. is Colbert. Back to main text. 
But for this, my dear sir, we should have the satisfaction of seeing our friend, though unfortunate, yet safe as far as his life is concerned, which is a great thing. We shall see what will happen tomorrow. We are now seven to six. Le Ferron, Moussy, Briac, Bernard, Renat, Voisin, Pontchartrain and the Chancellor have not yet voted, but of these we shall see by far the greater number. Saturday. Fall on your knees, sir, and return thanks to God. The life of our poor friend is saved. Thirteen were of Monsieur Domisson's opinion and nine of saint Helene's. I'm almost wild with joy. Sunday evening. I was sadly afraid some other person would have the pleasure of communicating to you the joyful tidings. My courier was not very diligent. He said on setting out that he would sleep nowhere but at Livre. He assures me, however, he was the first that arrived. Heavens, how gratifying must the intelligence have been to you. How inconceivably sweet are the moments that relieve the heart on a sudden from the anguish of so painful a suspense. It will be a long time before I shall lose the joy I received yesterday. It was in reality too great, too much almost for me to bear. The poor man learnt the news by signals a few moments after judgment was pronounced, and I dare say felt it in all its extent. This morning the king sent the Chevalier de Gouet to the mother and wife of Monsieur Fouquet, recommending them both to go to Montluçon in Auvergne. The Marquis and Marchioness de Charot to Ancenis, and the young Fouquet to Joinville in Champagne. The good old lady sent word to the king that she was seventy-two years of age, that she besought his majesty not to deprive her of her only remaining son, the support of her life, which apparently was drawing near its close. The prisoner does not yet know his sentence. It is said he will be taken tomorrow to Pignerol, for the king has changed his banishment into imprisonment. His wife, contrary to all rule, is not permitted to see him. But let not this proceeding abate the least particle of your joy. Mine, if possible, is increased, for I see in this more clearly the greatness of our victory. I shall faithfully relate to you the sequel of this curious history. I have given you what has passed today, the rest tomorrow. Tuesday evening. This morning at ten o'clock, Monsieur Fouquet was conducted to the chapel of the Bastille. Foucault held the sentence in his hand. You must tell me your name, sir, said he, that I may know whom I address. Monsieur Fouquet replied, You know very well who I am, and as for my name, I will not give it here, as I refuse to give it at the Chamber of Justice. By the same rule also, I protest against the sentence you are going to read to me. 
What passed being written down, Hoko put on his hat and read the sentence. Monsieur Fouquet heard it uncovered. Pecke and La Vallée footnote his physician and his servant back to main text were afterwards separated from him and the cries and tears of these poor men melted every heart that was not of iron. They made so strange a noise that Monsieur d'Artagnan was obliged to go and comfort them, for it seemed to them as if a sentence of death had just been read to their master. They were both lodged in the Bastille, and it is not known what will be done with them. Monsieur Fouquet went to the apartment of Monsieur d'Artagnan, while he was there, he saw Monsieur Domisson, who came for some papers that were in the hands of Monsieur d'Artignon, pass by the window. On perceiving him, Monsieur Fouquet saluted him with an open countenance expressive of joy and gratitude. He even cried out to him that he was his humble servant. Monsieur Domisson returned the salutation with very great civility and came with grief of heart to tell me what had passed. At eleven o'clock, a coach was ready, into which Monsieur Fouquet entered with four guards. Monsieur d'Artagnan was on horseback with fifty musketeers. He will escort him to Pignerol, where he will leave him in prison, in the care of a man of the name of Saint-Marc, who is a very honest fellow. He will have fifty soldiers to guard his prisoner. I do not know whether another servant has been allowed our friend... You can form no idea how cruel the circumstance of taking Pequin Lavelle from him appears to everyone. Some even go so far as to draw dreadful inferences from it. May God preserve him, as he has hitherto done. In him we must put our trust, and leave our friend to the protection of that providence which has been so gracious to him. They still refuse him his wife, but have permitted the mother to remain at Park with the abbess, her daughter. Nequia will follow his sister-in-law. He has declared that he has no other means of subsistence. Readers note the grand squire of France, brother of Bouquet, back to main text. Monsieur and Madame de Charoste are going immediately to Ancy. Monsieur Bay, the Attorney-General, has been turned out of office for having said to Gisocourt before the judgment was pronounced that he ought to retrieve the honour of the Grand Council, which would be disgraced if C. Ponce and himself acted together in the business. I'm sorry for this upon your account. It is a rigorous measure. Tantene animis celestibus irae. Virgil's Aeneid, Book One, readers note, can such anger dwell in celestial souls? Back to main text. But no, it does not mount so high as that. Such harsh and low revenge cannot proceed from a heart like that of our monarchs. His name is employed, and as you see, profaned. I will let you know the rest. How much better could we converse upon these things? It is impossible to communicate by letter all we have to say. Adieu, my dear sir. 
I have not so much modesty as you, and without taking refuge in the crowd, I assure you, I love and esteem you highly. I have seen the comet. Its train is of a beautiful length. I partly found my hopes on it. A thousand compliments to your dear wife. Tuesday. I send you something to amuse you for a few minutes. You will certainly find it worth reading. It is charity to entertain you both in your solitude. If the friendship I bear the father and son were a remedy against dullness, it is an evil of which you would never have to complain. I am just come from a place where it seems I have renewed this sentiment by talking of you with five or six persons, male and female, who, like me, rank themselves among your friends. It was at the Hôtel de Nevers. Your wife was of the party. She will tell you of the delightful little comedians we met there. I believe our dear friend is arrived, but I have no certain intelligence. It is only known that Monsieur d'Artagnan, continuing his obliging manners, gave him the necessary fur clothing that he might pass the mountains without inconvenience. I know also that Monsieur d'Artagnan has received letters from the king, and that he told Monsieur Fouquet to keep up his spirits and his courage, and that everything would go well. We are always looking forward to some mitigation, and I in particular. Hope has been too kind for me to abandon it. Whenever I see the king at our ballets, these two lines of Tasso come into my head. Goffredo ascolta e in rigor sembianza perge più de timor che de speranza. Footnote, Godfrey attends and with a brow severe, but little gives to hope and much to fear. Hull's translation back to main text. But I care not to despond, and we must follow the example of our poor prisoner. He is tranquil and gay. Let us be so too. It will give me real pleasure to see you here. I cannot think your exile will be of long duration. Assure your good father of my affection. I cannot help expressing myself thus, and let me know your opinion of the stanzas. Some of them are admired, as well as some of the couplets. Readers note, some of the numerous verses that were made at that time in favour of Fouquet and against his enemies, back to main text. Letter 11, Thursday evening, January 1665. At length the mother, the daughter-in-law and the brother have obtained leave to be together. They are going to Montluçon in the heart of Auvergne. The mother had permission to go to Parc aux Dames to her daughter, but her daughter-in-law has prevailed on her to accompany her. Monsieur and Madame de Charost are on the way to Ansny. Piquet and La Vallée are still in the Bastille. Can anything be more dreadful than this injustice? 
They have given Monsieur Fouquet another servant. It is said that the person who is to have the care of him at Pignerol is a very worthy creature. God grant he may be so. Or rather, God protect our friend. He has already protected him so visibly that we ought to think he has an especial care of him. La Forêt, his old esquire, accosted him as he was going away. I'm delighted to see you, said Fouquet to him. I know your fidelity and affection. Tell my wife and mother not to despair, that my courage remains, and that I'm in good health. Is not this admirable? Adieu, my dear sir, let us be like him. Let us have courage and dwell on the joy occasioned by the glorious sentence of Saturday. Madame de Grignon is dead. Footnote Angélique et d'Angène, Monsieur de Grignon's first wife. Back to main text. Friday evening. It seems by your thanks as if you were giving me my dismissal, but I will not receive it yet. I intend to write to you whenever I please, and as soon as I have the verses from the Pont Neuf, I shall send them to you. Reader's note, Pont Neuf was a name given to popular songs composed to well-known airs. A great number of them had been composed about the trial of Fouquet, back to main text. Our dear friend is still upon the road. It was reported that he had been ill. Everybody exclaimed, what, already? It was reported also that Monsieur Dattinon had sent to court to know what he was to do with his sick prisoner and that he had been answered unfeelingly that he must proceed with him, however ill he might be. This is all false, but it shows the general feeling, and the danger of furnishing materials with which to build whatever horrid castles we please. Pecca and Lavene are still in the Bastille. This conduct is truly unaccountable. The chamber will be resumed after the epiphany. I should think the poor exiles must be arrived ere this at the place of their destination. When our poor friend has reached his, I will inform you, for we must follow him to Pignerol. Would to God we could bring him thence to the place we wish. Footnote. It was the general opinion that Fouquet died in prison in the year 1680. See Le siècle de Louis Fourteenth and the note at the beginning of the letter dated April the 3rd, 1680. Back to main text. And how much longer, my dear sir, will be your exile? I often think of this. A thousand compliments to your father. I've been told your wife is here. I shall call upon her. I supped last night with one of your lady friends, and we talked of paying you a visit. End of section 40